0: hey everybody welcome back to another episode sorry maybe i was a bit too loud in the intro <laughs> uh, and i should be the one monitoring the audio because somebody left their headphones at work
1: it's so weird to not be with the headphones actually and hearing myself feedback i right. it's i hope you guys can hear me well yeah
0: I, i'm gonna keep monitoring your audio so you don't start screaming at some <laughs> point uh hey everybody hope you are doing well uh welcome back to episode 22 of constant agitation if this is your first time welcome as well we hope you enjoy the show uh how are you doing Eva? how was uh, your week it was busy actually
1: yeah. i wanted to have more time for photo things mm-hmm. um what creative photo things let's just call it like that because mm-hmm. we did, I did a couple of uh, assignments um But a lot of other work as well. So I'm really looking forward for mid-June where things start slowing down and there's a lot of light outside so we can go out and shoot much more and do some cool stuff. Although we managed to do some cool stuff today. We got super
0: excited. It had been cloudy for the last couple of days. I mean, we thought summer is here, but then, boom, a lot of rain and clouds. And then as we were preparing for the episode, (laughs) uh, when we were supposed to be preparing for the episode to go live, uh, we noticed that the sun came out for a second and I was uh, I just looked at Eva and I was like uh, hey you want to try some cyanotypes <laughs> <laughs> right now right here <laughs> <laughs> she was. She didn't even think about it she just ran and started doing it so um, was this one our first try
1: that yeah that was the first try
0: all right so uh, obviously we did not succeed these are two four by five uh pictures Actually,
1: now it looks better than when it came out
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think as it dries it will get better but uh this is the Put first it closer
1: one to your face so it's focused somewhat
0: <laughs> i mean i don't think it's gonna make so much difference <laughs> right so yeah. this this is the first one five
1: w- minutes exposure with bright sun yeah. not enough
0: and you use different papers didn't you
1: i did use different papers so for everyone out there that doesn't know yet i like watercolor painting so I have a lot of different papers I'm kind of a hoarder of uh, materials I love it I love I have I think I have 100 paints I counted the other day 100 different colors and I have like I don't know maybe 10 different paper stocks so I also decided to do some testing and try different papers so I use uh, some with uh, no cotton in them some with 25 percent cotton different kind of grain on the surface i assume the absorbency is also different and these three that uh, these
0: two were exposed at the same time you can see the difference this one came out uh better more dense but the other thing we were doing uh is uh, a lot of you were going to yell at us if uh, if you're more strict (laughs) about your process we used an ikea frame (laughs) as a printer which is a big no-no the plastic contact frame yeah yeah uh, the plastic was bendy it was not made of glass so it was bending and that's why I think this one came out uh, out of focus like there's barely any detail I look like it. a ghost yeah it's you do it's kind of cool though yeah this is a photo of Eva yeah and
1: you can see the bottom is more focused so I think in the bottom it was more like touching yeah. the paper to the um, to the 4x5 negative mm. and on the middle ground it was just like not touching at all and yeah,
0: yeah. this one came out of I right.
1: did a very good and sharp mask though <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's true right i mean it's well you can't technically use it because it's paper
2: i know but, uh.
0: yeah hi everybody in the chat welcome welcome hey Devin. i think uh, is Devin first time here welcome yes uh so what else do we have do we add a couple of questions we did yeah so let me see we have from augustine i think uh, that's how you say it why is it called crunchy fingers well i don't know Mar- i don't know why is it called crunchy <laughs> did crunchy
1: you forget already <laughs> i mean am not even one year old right
0: so the whole thing came <laughs> like the this whole channel came together in like two days right
1: one long night, I would say. Yeah, we like just that.
0: like just started the account before we even shot the first video. Yeah, definitely. And we just wanted to get a name so we can get an email address and all that stuff and an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. And we had a few of them it was like crispy f- fingers, crispy frames. I mean, okay. We so had a okay. bunch of ideas. They all revolved around using like your hands. Using basically. your hands, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean the idea. Even though now our our channel is mainly focused on photography if you go back back in the archives on the earlier videos you are gonna find videos of me painting as well and the idea is that maybe the channel could be like a creative place for us to show things that we like doing which mostly involve hands like photography analog photography painting you also like music and playing instruments and stuff like that so it was more like okay let's try to find a catchy name that mm-hmm. it kind of evokes tinkering they, remember we were thinking about the tinkering word for a little yeah. while as well
0: i mean some we're some stuff are still coming like yeah. the eight hour stream <laughs> the <laughs> infamous eight hour stream of <laughs> me struggling with these instaks so we, we, the idea is to do more of those so i think that's the philosophy behind the name i guess
1: yeah so just like yeah use your hands and do, do hands creative like stuff yeah a, keep it like, crunchy keep it crunchy yeah actually it's kind of Kind of catchy, I would say. I like you know, it. It's the crunchy fingers, and you all are the crunch. Our crunch. And I mean, we're
0: both goofy and silly yeah. in a way. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. So I think the uh, uh, you know a goofy, silly name is also fits our personality. Right. Yeah. I
1: mean, we get the question quite a lot. Why, why crunchy fingers? Yeah. I, I think th- constant agitation is quite clear, though, the name of the. Podcast. If you know what's up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, but we did get another question. A bit this time. more complicated. Uh, more on topic. Yeah. And it was by Alwalid. I know it's Alwalid because he joins us in the chat usually mm-hmm. with the, the name. But I can't read far, far ben Farben... Farben twig- Wickler. Ah. Farben Wickler. Yeah, so you can see it. By the way, all of the people who... I like to cleave the Instagram handle. Yeah. So you can uh, follow what? them, check out their work. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also your friends from the show. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> uh, so Alwalid needs help to calculate reciprocity failure especially for pinhole. Mm-hmm. And so I f- disclaimer, uh, usually when we ask for questions, and I said this before on the podcast, mm-hmm. we're not claiming that we're experts on everything photography. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. we like to leave the questions open because we might get asked about stuff that we haven't tried or we haven't learned about. Mm-hmm. And so we go and maybe do some research. And there's a lot of people here who know a lot of things that we don't know in the chat. Mm-hmm. A lot of time. Uh, cm i'm looking at you <laughs> they <laughs> join us like they let us know stuff that we missed or we didn't know about so it's like an open community it's a live conversation for everybody who's mm-hmm. you know we're here.
1: basically your hosts but yeah we're here for you too so.
0: exactly so we eva actually i didn't do much yeah. uh, eva did some reading about this um because we, ha- I personally have an experience with pinhole before. Have you?
1: I did a couple of things back in the days when I started and I was attracted by lomography. <laughs> <All right.
2: laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, and it was just about getting the concept of what photography is. And I did a couple of workshops here at Uppsala in my nation. And yeah? there was a guy that was teaching pinhole photography, but I was like maybe 10 years ago. It's a really long time. Mm-hmm.
0: Nation is like a university thing. It's kind yes, of it's like, like a soror- fraternity type yeah, of thing yeah. in
1: America. But here in Uppsala, they are 13 nations and they do activities. And we had a photography group in one of them. Mm. And that's where we also had a dark room. Mm-hmm. And I was able to learn and then later to teach there. It was re- it's really nice, really nice community.
0: Cool. So tell us about uh, reciprocity and pinhole.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, f- so first, p- pinhole. Just in case someone out there has not tried and doesn't know what it is, uh, pinhole photography is basically a photograph that is done through a very, very, very small hole. Mm -hmm. So the light that is going to expose your film uh, goes through a very small aperture, right? So imagine very big aperture numbers. So the first thing that is needed to calculate exposure is to know how big or small, how small your pin is in order to calculate how much time you have to leave the exposure uh, towards the sun or wherever you're taking the photo, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing is calculating that F number. The normal F numbers, aperture numbers that you guys are probably used to, you know, F1.8, 2, 5.4, 5.6, 16, 22, 32, some large formats, even 45 or 68 Mm -hmm. or something like that. But we're talking much bigger numbers because they're very small. Normally you do this, you can actually do a pinhole camera at home. They're very, very cool DIY process where you just basically use a pin like from from sewing mm-hmm. and then you use that on, on the material to make the hole. So to calculate the F number, what you have to do is to measure the distance the focal length basically Mm -hmm. of your lens Mm -hmm. even though you might not have a lens as we know a lens so
0: let's call let's imagine a box yeah the front of the box where you put the pin Mm -hmm. that we call that the front standard yeah and the back side where you have your film Mm -hmm. or your sensitive material that's the back standard mm -hmm. so you want to calculate the distance between the two standards am i right exactly all right so this is your focal length
1: so yeah once you have your focal length Mm -hmm. let's say i don't know Uh, 10 centimeters right Right. let's say like that's 100 millimeters right then you have to know how wide the diameter of your pin Mm -hmm. which sometimes can be tricky because so you can use something like a caliper like caliper or if you actually know like for sewing um, pin uh, for sewing uh, needles they have sizes yeah they have sizes and the sizes uh, they represent that certain amount of millimeters so I don't know 0.4 millimeters 0.6 millimeters whatever it is try to find or estimate how big your hole is
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you divide your focal length in millimeters by your pinhole diameter in millimeters and that should give you a number and you're showing there the page that we found is really nicely described of how you go about this calculation yeah
0: i i leave i, I left both pages this one i am not sure who is it by this one is by one of our favorite youtuber yes youtubers uh, shoot film like a boss if you don't know that channel go check it out a lot of cool stuff happening so um, you can check both of these pages out and find all the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is and
1: some of the numbers and ex- examples. Yeah,
0: this one is where you were describing how to calculate, calculate your the F number. The F number. Yeah. All right, so, so we calculated the, the F.
1: The F number. Mm-hmm. And then to calculate exposure, people would normally use a light meter. Mm-hmm. But light meters don't go as high as the F numbers that you're going to get for your, right. for your lens, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, the example that they're giving here is an F. 150. 250, Uh, 250, 250. 250, F-250, right? But you don't have a light meter that would do that. No. So what you would do is to use your light meter with your highest aperture, Mm -hmm. for example, F-22 or F-32, whatever. whatever 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 it is. is. And then what you do is to... Let me see if I can see here. Um, Yeah. So you would divide... Your real focal length mm-hmm. divided by the focal length that you are using your light meter at mm-hmm. that you're measuring with. Okay. And then that divided square, that will give you a number.
0: Wait, what is squared?
1: Like a square, like yeah, wh- to the power of two.
0: D- what, which number? The result? Yeah, the result. Okay, so here, I can see it. Yeah. So, for example, here, they calculated the f-stop to be uh, 250. Yeah, exactly. That's your aperture. The, the pinhole. Yeah, pinhole. And aperture? then they metered for F22. Yes. So they divided 250 yes. by 22. And then to the power of And then of the two. whole thing is squared. Yes. All and right. that gives you a number. So uh, that's, our F is F129. No, not F. Okay. That's a number. That's a it's number. A
1: number. It's, it's a factor that you use to then calculate how much more exposure you need to do All than right. the one you get on li- your light meter. And how so do I do that? S- you just multiply. So let's say that the light meter at F22... For whatever light there is available and the speed of your film, okay. it tells you one sixtieth of a second. So I m- say. multiply by it one then it's one hundred twenty nine times one sixtieth of a second. Okay. So the extension of the exposure that you have to do. All right, and I think and that that,
0: that's what's demonstrated here on the table.
1: Uh, yeah. So that's that is the adjustment. So it says, for example, for f twenty two, imagine that you get one twenty fifth. Then for adjustment to an f two fifty, then it would be one second
0: all right
1: for that specific case but you have to 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 know the f of your camera your pinhole camera and the f that you are measuring at and then you can calculate that factor and then you can multiply the exposure and get the right exposure multiply
0: the shutter speed
1: yeah the exposure time yeah yeah right and that's the first step right now what you're calculating with this is the the exposure. exposure time that you need that regardless of eh, reciprocity regardless of reciprocity right. but then we go into the problem of reciprocity obviously mm-hmm. which is the longest you expose as light sensitive material the less sensitive it becomes to the light so mm-hmm. it's not a linear relationship between time and exposure the longer time then you need even more time to get the right exposure All right. that's what is called the reciprocity okay. failure so the, 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 film.
0: The, the film the more it is, it is exposed to light the less sensitive it becomes. Yes. It's like the as time passes during the exposure, the ISO goes down. Yes. Is a one way, a good way to, to think see, about to it. To see it, think about it, yeah. Okay.
1: And that means that you have to account for that reciprocity and mm-hmm. that reciprocity is going to change depending on how long have you already exposed, right? So right. normally, um, this reciprocity value is going to Mm, be different depending on the film you are using mm-hmm. because it's it's a it's a property inherent to the emulsion that you are using yeah, in so your f- film.
0: For example, I hear that, uh, ActaChrome uh, 100 mm-hmm. has brilliant reciprocity. It doesn't. It doesn't fail. Yeah,
1: that means that it's it's uh, very resistant it to these ki- changes in sensitivity yeah. over time. Yeah. yeah. There's and
0: a guy on Instagram who does, uh, Yase film, Jase Yase film. Yeah. He does. Uh, a long astrophotography. astrophotography on ektachrome yeah. and i think another film he uses is ektar
1: and i think Bel- belvia or Provia. usually
0: yeah, it's slide close. films and maybe yeah. ektar, ektar. They, they, these have i'm not sure but i know i've heard that ektachrome is really i tried it remember we did some uh, mm-hmm. aurora shots with that yeah and yeah, i really can nice. vouch the it was uh, we tested the a digital different. camera mm-hmm. with a film camera taking the same exposure they looked about the same exposure. It's really nice. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm guessing for a pinhole, he's going to be using sheet film and yeah. it's going to be expensive to work with... Uh, ectachrome. Ectachrome. <laughs> yes. So I might want to use something like that. I button. mean,
1: a lot of people, because when they go into pinhole, pinhole is, I would say, it's a very experimental type of photography. Mm-hmm. You know, you are not going into pinhole to get very... A good detailed results, you know it's more like uh, we are talk gonna talk about the photographer of the day it's mm-hmm. t- it's very ethereal, it's very you know you capture movement, you have to do long exposure, so I think people I go mean, with cheaper films potentially you, you can use something like
0: exactly. this or uh, even a photo paper, yeah. To make a print directly, li- a direct positive, basically. A
1: Photo paper is like a whole different story because, yeah. of course, photo paper have ISOs that are very low. So you have to have that in account when you're calculating yeah. your exposure for
2: pinhole.
0: And some do have reciprocity failure. I've heard that up to 10 minutes exposure on photo paper should be all right. You don't get, you don't hit mm-hmm. any reciprocity. But again, that depends what kind of paper you're using. Mm-hmm. So w- what are you saying here, basically? So the what best I'm recommendation saying... is look up the... Uh, recommendation by the manufacturer
1: yeah so what the manufacturer is gonna give you sometimes they show it as a um, as a graph Mm -hmm. where it's like a time and exposure like on the two axes of the graph Mm -hmm. others they actually give you a table and they say from this minute to this minute one stop or half stop whatever it is Mm -hmm. from this minute to this minute two stops from this minute to this minute three stops so then you can bake that in in your calculation Mm -hmm. others they give you a factor to me the factor is the easiest way to use it because basically once you have done all the calculation that we were talking about before Mm -hmm. knowing how much you have to expose for a proper exposure with your f number and the sensitivity of your film then you just multiply that by the factor that the manufacturer gives you for Mm. example i think for hp4 is 168 you mean fp4 fp4 did i say (laughs) hp4 no fp4 yeah it's like 168 so then if you get uh, 30 seconds exposure then you multiply 30 by 168 and it gives you uh, a number and that should be your right exposure counting reciprocity for that specific film right given that i still think that one should go ahead with pinhole photography with the idea of doing tests. Mm. That means try different things. Yeah. And try to use film that it has a high latitude, so it's also less sensitive to give you bad results if you are up or down a bit on your exposure. Mm. So you can save it. In yeah, area. in a sense, you're still going to get saveable results. Mm. So, so, yeah, I think that's basically you know, all about it.
0: I, when I was looking into it, uh, in the past all i've seen is people just arguing about it and eventually they come to the conclusion that you should do your own tests <laughs> about reciprocity and uh you know i've seen some wildly different numbers about for the same film yeah so yeah i guess you have to do your own tests. i think another thing that might play a factor in this area is that what kind of light you're using because i'm starting to learn that different lights affect the film differently like mm-hmm. in, in, in it it even changes the speed of the film Mm -hmm. you know like i'm i like i've I've been trying a lot with the washi uh, w yeah and that film uh, from the manufacturer tells you that you have to rate it differently for a different kind of light Mm -hmm. and i think uh, the same goes for other films that we're familiar with if you read the data sheet you see that they have different ratings for different light sources Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I understand that one fully. Um so don't take my word for it about like so th- something like Portra or Ektachrome or whatever film that you're thinking of. If you look and read up the data sheet, I think they give you different uh, exposure recommendations for different lights. Mm-hmm. Because and I, I when I was reading I was I think they were also factoring in the um, the type of filter that you need to use and the compensation that you need to apply. So that's what I'm not sure about. I'm not sure if they give you a different speed because of the because filters. Of the filters. Yeah,
1: that, that would make sense.
0: But I think, I don't know if, yeah. What? Because if you use the same exact specific filter, mm-hmm. then yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if you use an equivalent filter, that might you know, let different amount of light through Yeah, so uh, I
1: think that I actually found out today doing this short research about pinhole reciprocity is that apparently the intensity of the light also affects the reciprocity of the film. Right. So imagine it like that. If you have a very diffuse light, right, in a big or like a smaller aperture, like 1.4, where the light is coming into the film, you know, like kind of diffuse, not so intense, It's but then you will have to do longer exposures, mm-hmm. that would affect the reciprocity of the film differently than if you have a blasting light mm-hmm. and then you have to expose for less time. It's, it's, in mean,
0: blasting light, you're never really hitting those times if the light is too yeah, intense.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking uh, also. But I guess this is more about the science and the capabilities of the film behind. Right. So it's more, uh, it's a theory. Maybe it doesn't never really play a role once you are uh, working with it, mm-hmm. but it's something that is inherent to the film. So it's good to know it. You mm-hmm. know, like that film does actually react differently, reciprocity-wise, with the intensity of the light. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would but maybe have it in an account if you're doing some testing. So if you're doing some, some cool stuff with the, with the pinholes.
0: Right. Let's see what do we have in the chat? Sorry.
1: Allergies.
0: Yeah. Allergies are killing
1: me. Uh, fish is asking, what are your thoughts on the Holga pinhole camera? Have you guys used it? Wanted a 120 pan, but I can't find one anywhere. I do not have personal experience with the Holga pinhole. I have seen it around. I think I knew someone that had one. It seems like a fun camera to mm. just toy around with.
0: Yeah, there is uh, uh, some suggestions about Ondu or uh, Goodman. Goodman, Sakura yeah. Secure pinholes, um, right? And Chris, of course. <laughs> yes. I, I, I would, I would second Chris. Make your own.
1: I mean, pinhole is the <laughs> most easy camera you can make. Basically, with a with a shoebox and uh, aluminum foil.
0: I can't remember Front, the name of that camera. What and, was the name of that camera? Which then? one? The one that you do everything inside.
1: The Afghan box. Afga- Is that I what it's, it's called? I think it's called the Afghan box.
0: I'm sure one of you knows in the chat. It's uh, the camera where you have everything inside, including the chemistry. And so you just edit, you basically... It's called Afghan box. Yeah. It's basically it's like a hybrid between a dark bag and a yeah and a and a
1: Actually, quite cool. There was yeah. someone in the server that was yeah yeah yeah. I remember who I I,
0: to who. It, right? I, don't, I know their suit like their alias, but uh, they're probably yeah. I'm not gonna go into it right now. <laughs> but yeah, they they have they made one themselves. And so basically, you put holes in a box, and then you put like fabric to, to put your hands through.
1: You do it. it's all in one. Yeah, Amazing so you load, like up, you load
0: up the sheet and you expose and then you... Close the, close and the exposure and then you have the three baths there. And then you develop inside and then you open Is it.
1: It's the, the, the slowest instant camera ever. Right? Right.
0: Is it? I still. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're shooting direct positive on it, then it will be the slowest. Otherwise, shooting a 4 by 5 direct positive and having to do that process that we do it takes forever if it works last time oh my all god all right so oh my god here's no. <laughs> here's the thing we, uh, we did some direct positives they were amazing beautiful I we did showed a,
1: them last time last week right i think so
0: i think we did yeah. yeah uh i don't know if we showed all of the ones we did because we did more outside yeah but uh, yeah so these they were working s- so fine and then we had so
1: a, beautiful so nice
0: right and we had a friend come over we did a lot of shooting. We shot like, what, three rolls that day here in this apartment on the balcony. Took a lot of stuff because we wanted to be- develop, but we didn't want to. It was wanna.
1: sunny. It was right. in a 50D and I beautiful. love it. I love it with the evening sun. So beautiful.
0: Right. So we wanted to, but the idea was we wanted to fill up the tank mm-hmm. because we didn't want to like develop with half a jobo. If uh, we're
1: going to do the job, we do it fully.
0: <laughs> right. So we already had three rolls and we wanted to put a few more on mm-hmm. top of them. And then we were like, oh, we can play with some direct positives. (laughs) We shot a couple. And I think I talked about the process uh, last week. Mm -hmm. We shot a couple. And then the way we do it, we uh, develop as normal. uh, So developer, wash, no fix, Mm -hmm. hydrogen peroxide and citric acid bath. So you start with citric acid, hydrogen peroxide, go back and forth. And then you flash the light, throw it in the developer. But ideally, no, the idea is in h- hydrogen peroxide will wash out all the exposed, all the yeah. developed, exposed silver halides. In the first portion. Yeah, yeah. So when you took the picture, put it in the developer, it will turn, it will become a negative. Basically, it will turn black, and then this the hydrogen peroxide will turn it back to white, mm-hmm. and then you flash it again, and whatever unexposed uh, halides that were there will be exposed and it will become a positive image
1: mm-hmm. and it, it works great it works or every it time go- work except right?
0: for last time you know uh when we had somebody who was so excited to see the it and actually and yeah, she was looking at it and like oh it's gonna happen now and and
1: we are three people in a tiny bathroom
0: yeah with no lights
1: like, we are not going out of here until this works
0: yeah <laughs> yeah but
1: somehow it didn't, it didn't work. work we were considering all options you know maybe when we did the first exposure there was some fixer around and you fixed it then of course you cannot remove it anymore
0: so i threw them back I, when i gave up i threw the papers back. we turned up the light and i threw the paper back in the thing and they were not fixed they turned black no and we know the peroxide is working because we used it today and look how blue these things are
1: yes it looks beautiful yeah
0: so Sometimes. i don't know what happened maybe it was con- a little bit of contamination but still
1: it makes no sense because the no other sense. times it just like
2: seriously as, the only as long the
0: only difference is that usually we just use the paper developer yeah. directly we mix it and we use it yeah. L- that time we developed one washi w roll in it right before we do that process
1: but how would that affect things i, like, have, I have no idea i have to try again uh, i sent you a message about the cyanotype yeah look what we
0: did by the way cm is the one who sent us the chemicals which
1: is gonna last us like half a lifetime yeah
0: (laughs) how much did you mix 10 milliliters
1: i mixed five milliliters and five milliliters and we coated like 10 papers or something like that yeah
0: so thank you we're having fun with this our first test today
1: yes it worked
0: yeah well actually this is not the first test this is the uh, i said i, <laughs> I sent
1: him an update of what how things were going <laughs> so he can check it
0: out right um yeah that's true you can uh, the bernard is uh, has a really uh cool suggestion uh you can just m- make a new f- uh, front standard like a lens board made out of whatever and put a hole in it yeah if you have a 4x5 camera already that's a really good idea
2: mm-hmm.
0: cool what else do we have on the
1: on the menu for on today? The menu for today. <laughs> well, I guess we have the photographer of the day, which is one of your favorite photographers ever, right? Yeah,
0: well, I have to come clean about this. He, That's he, how we're going to start. Right. So uh, we're going to talk about Ernst Haas. Obviously, you read the title. But I got to tell you this. Uh, Ernst apparently is my favorite photographer that I didn't know about. Like when I saw his work, I was like, oh, now everything makes sense uh maybe i'll i don't know because he his work is he did so much different work i know that he's like all my favorite photographers in one person
1: he's he's just do you know what i mean he was great uh
0: there was let me open instagram real quick so i can shout out two active photographers really quickly that really inspired me from uh, years ago um hold on a second i should have prepared this earlier (laughs) But I'm there, I'm there. Don't panic.
1: <laughs> Nobody's panicking. We're just chilling.
0: I am panicking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so here we are. Uh, this is the first photographer, uh, Johan Bjanstrom. He is from Stockholm, I think, as well, or at least he's in Stockholm. And you can see his photos are... L- latest work is a lot of portraits, but if you scroll down you will start to see something different. And uh, that's when I was...
1: Yeah, you told me, like, his style has changed, or at least his page has changed a yeah. lot. In the so time.
0: here, look at s- this stuff. I love yeah, this work.
1: It's so nice.
0: He did a lot of these, um, you know, shlo- slow shutter, slower shutter speed f- photos with the uh, camera movement in mind. Mm-hmm. So you can tell there was one with the flowers. It's just beautiful. He did a lot of experimentation. Look at these.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful.
0: Look at these. And uh, a lot of them you can tell that that they're calculated. Maybe like it, it took more than one. But I mean, beautiful work. Beautiful work. Um, yeah, you can check out his page and maybe nag him to do more of this work. <laughs> and here you can see some of the... Uh, like people in the, in the, in the motion, these some of these are gonna look familiar when we start looking at Ernst's work. Um, there are some similarities, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's the thing. Uh, in a in a few episodes, uh, like uh, past episode, we talked about. I think when it was last week or the week before. We talked about impressionism versus. Uh, that
1: was the week before. Yeah. Expressionism. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, here you can see there's a lot of impressions happening. Mm -hmm. Like when the whole frame is out of focus or uh, purposefully blurred or moved. It just leaves you with, uh, you kind of have an idea of what you're looking at, but there's always an an emotion attached to it. Uh, The other one, oh, look at these with the flowers. I love the flower ones. Mm -hmm. He has a bunch of them. So yeah, maybe I'll leave a link in the description. That'd be great. Yeah, here's the profile. If you want to check him out, give him a follow. And the other one is Karl Hermann. Her, Her, Hermann. Uh, crazy stuff here. This is crazy town.
1: They're both Swedish. Is he? I oh, think just do this dude is German. Name. Maybe not. Um, yeah, this is it's German. The other one was Swedish.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot of moving stuff. A lot of weird, weird, weird morphed uh frames. This one is not in the same
1: vibe. No vibe. But it still has it kind of ap- applies the same principles.
0: Yeah, but I I just want to tell you that these were the my inspirations when I started doing my own stuff with perf- purposefully out of focus images, purposefully uh, motion blurred images and stuff like that. These I have to give credit to these mm-hmm. two guys, and uh, so that's that. While I'm giving credit, I have to give a credit to a YouTuber by the name of T Hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you uh, don't know who she is, you probably know who she is, but if you don't, check her out, give her a follow. She basically, her show is very quite similar to ours mm-hmm. um, and it's a she features a lot of uh, photographers and uh, also painters like her.
1: she she does yeah, she yeah. F- she artists that mm-hmm. are inspiring and
0: exactly um, and so I learned about Ernst Haas when she made a video about him uh three months ago mm-hmm. i double checked before we yes. started and uh, so and i was like so much about this guy resonates with me like the fact that uh he's a painter in a hurry
1: yeah that's how he used to call himself
0: yeah and and the way that he takes it like the way that his photos look is when I saw them, I was like, this is what I...
1: makes me tingle. and you know? I want. You know, like, and you haven't really read about his stories. So no. When I was researching for this episode and I was going all through his work again, like, it was just so beautiful. Like, I was getting goosebumps while I was reading and I was pulling information for, for this episode because it's a mix of how beautiful the photos are the meaning of the work he was doing, the history of his life from not being a photographer and not being mm-hmm. interested in photography almost at all till being this great creative artist that did photography for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And that he even moved against currents and against trends and he wanted—he just did what he wanted to do and it's so beautiful and so inspiring and so great to talk about it and to you know enjoy the art that he did.
0: Exciting stuff i i am looking forward to this episode because as you know if you are watching this before i can't read (laughs) so (laughs) i'm just kidding but i find it hard sometimes uh and eva is uh, a bookworm i say that lovingly and so yeah she like you know i learned i learned with you guys about everything we talk about here on the podcast so I just
1: like qu- quick quirks and bits, you know, like that it makes things fun and the stories of people are very interesting.
0: All right. So I'm looking at the website. Where should I go? Where do you want me to go?
1: Um let me see. Where are we? Are you on the website? Can
0: yeah, I, do you want to see it here as well? Yeah, there of you course.
1: go. Cause otherwise, I, know. I mean, the website is great. It has a lot of information. It's very, very nice, well-organized. Apart from being a bookworm, I'm an organizing freak, so to speak. I like things that are easy to find. Uh, we were saying some photographers that did great work, they, their websites or the collections that they have put on the internet doesn't really make them, you know, how would you say? It like, doesn't give them justice. Yeah, exactly. And here it's very nice. You can find black and white work. You can find color so work. So he, he started with black and he white. He started with black and white because right. of the era where he when he started. But then quickly he found the beauty and the wonders of color. And then he kind of never went back to to shoot black and white. And then the website has uh, old color work and newer color work. I have to say that he mostly worked only, mostly with color color
2: color Kodakrome.
1: Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, like the the, wor- the color work is beautiful, but maybe we should look at the black and white work first. Yeah, and then I also like how the website is organized because you can see by themes. You can see the motion pictures, you can see abstract work that he did and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can see portraits. And he also did a lot of work during his life on movie sets mm-hmm. and with famous people. So yeah, there's a whole section about profiles or uh, photos of uh, very famous people which we can go through them um, at some point.
0: Yeah, I can see Martin Luther King here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also a lot of art, uh, actresses and actors as well.
0: There's Einstein. <laughs>
1: Einstein, yeah. That's kind of fun. And it's still, y- y- you really see him on the photos that he's taking, even when he's photographing, you know, famous people and even some I portraits and they're so nice. And so many in between in between takes, which is something that I think he felt very passionate about, being able to represent the in-between.
0: Yeah, that is, I think, very important. Uh, and it's uh, often neglected, the in-between.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what can we say about him? It
0: seems to be a theme, I have to say, sorry to interrupt no you. Problem. It seems to be a theme uh, with a lot of photographers that we talk about on the show that they started with black and white. And then when they made, all all of them, they almost all of them made the switch to Kodachrome and then they were they faced resistance. Like, what are you doing? Color is for whatever.
1: I mean, that was how, how the general photography world was like. Color is for amateurs. Color is for, you know, the populace. It's not for artists. Artists do black and white. And uh, yeah, what are you doing? Art cannot be in color, so to speak. But he was like not having any of it. He yeah. was like, I, I am doing whatever I want. I mean, mm. look at this.
0: Hold on, so it's a g- great photo. But what is that in the back? Who made that? I love that, It's <laughs> like right on the back. It's <laughs> so In so cool. his
1: abstract work, he has a lot of photos of things that uh, are a little bit like that background there.
0: Yeah, uh, we checked it out. I don't know if you, you maybe I you're reading. I was not looking. But uh, yeah, I like, love this one. This one reminds me. Uh, do you remember? There's a Dutch photographer that I love. I forget her name, uh, but she has, like, I can tell that she does a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she was inspired by it. She has like hundred pictures of of like very similar ones.
1: Do you, I, you know who was one of the early uh, inspirations for Ernst?
0: Are you quizzing me right now?
1: I don't know. Do you have any idea? You know, I I, I can tell you a, a quick. Um, uh, okay, we I'll give you we a tip. already
0: talked about him on the show. No. No. All right, then I have no, no idea. No, the
1: tip is uh, Ernst started taking photos of. Uh, Close-up plants, water, natural forms.
0: We didn't talk about him on no. the show? So it's not uh, Cunningham?
1: No, maybe you will can guess. I can tell you.
0: Do I know the name?
1: I guess. He has a very, very, very famous picture. The or print.
0: Very famous picture or print. <laughs> very famous print. All right, let's... Mm, very famous print.
1: <gasps> yes.
0: The uh, guy who did who did the uh, the pepper the bell pepper the bell pepper Weston Weston yeah Ah, everyone Weston that
1: was his early he was really into shapes and abstract feeling and getting very close up and representing nature and here we're saying I'm saying a famous print because in case you don't know Edward Weston sold the most expensive print in the world which is a photo of a bell pepper of Mm -hmm. all things but it's beautiful and apparently people that have seen that photo. Live, like they have seen the print, having the print in front of them, they say that it's completely a different thing than actually seeing the the I'm photo in a, a you know, internet or even though you we can look for it and see. It's a what was bell it? pepper number 23, I think, or number something like that. 33, I think. 33?
0: I don't know. Do I know how to type?
1: You, if you put bell pepper, you find it.
0: 23? No, no, then it's 30.
1: <laughs> just put edward weston bell pepper yeah 30 okay
0: this one it just looks like
1: um it looks like uh like two bodies yeah like uh, two swans, swans together, or
0: yeah. yeah it looks like an, uh what is the word uh, not anamorphic, <laughs> anamorphic. Uh,
1: anthropomorphic no
0: yeah, I, yeah i'm not a scientist morphic <laughs> It looks like he, like almost like like this one too this is another pepper from the series I think. Yeah. Or I'm not sure. But this one looks like two uh, people hugging.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know the other one the one that got sold when I see it is small I don't see it very well. I don't know what it is. It looks even you know those photos of uh, naked bodies that are like crunching onto each other in yeah. fetal position which is like a very vulnerable kind of position to have a portrait done you know it reminds me of that
0: yeah uh, like you almost can see like muscles and stuff like it almost looks like a human back, back with the yeah, muscles yeah
1: it's i mean it's the, the choice crazy. of the lighting the exposure of course and i guess i don't remember now the print what it was made on but yeah. i guess one of the very very expensive like already uh, complicated processes or oh yeah. something i don't remember now it but yeah so this is the famous photo (laughs) the famous print how did we get here because Ernst Haas was very inspired Inspired by by uh, edward weston's uh, work early on in in his career and he focused at the beginning a lot on on capturing nature which if you are only kind of maybe familiar with uh work later work you might think like oh that's very different but as we're saying he shot a lot of different things and he was very prolific
0: a lot of his black and white work uh reminds me a little bit of Bresson, in the sense in in the way he captures uh crowds like this one for Mm -hmm. example like it easily could be can be mistaken Mm -hmm. for a Bresson image uh you know like because there's a lot going on like this kid here with their Mm -hmm. mouth open and this guard here doing something and this one looking over there Mm -hmm. there is that woman in the back with a grin on her face this is such a Bresson type of photo. Like, If if, <laughs> if you would show this to me, mm-hmm. I would say, guess who took this photo? It's a famous photographer. Easily yeah. would guess Bresson. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And then you can see it in a lot of his images. Um,
1: I think the way that he saw composition as the main element of the picture also reminds of, of Bresson's work.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think that's what I meant when I said... Um, when I, found, when I saw his work, it was, to me at least, a, a lot of my favorite photographers combined in one person, uh, or my favorite photographic techniques combined, because I love the black and white, you know, decisive moment type of photography with a lot of things happening in the frame, or maybe sometimes just something like this mm-hmm. is just so beautiful, and then you contrast it with, with his color work, which we're going to get to in a mm-hmm. second, and it's just so beautiful.
1: I love those shadow plays. With the light. Yeah. I mean, it's be- beautiful, beautiful work. Very inspiring in many ways. I think everybody that likes photography can find something that can inspire them within uh, Hasse's work. That's what I really believe.
0: I agree. I definitely agree. Um,
1: it's not very polarizing. I don't think there is anybody out there that would say Hasse is not a good photographer or like a great, great like, uh, I mean, Pioneer. you will
0: find something of of his work that you will exactly, love. Exactly, this is what I mean. Yeah. Look at this. Oh, it reminds me of... Uh, I know, do you remember? the uh, that We were talking about it. Uh, Samsara?
2: Samsara, yeah the, the, yeah.
0: the intro scene? I don't remember. I think they were doing the same thing. I think
1: it's been long long time.
0: Where is this? Ceremonial, ceremonial dance in Bali, 1956. In Bali? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what do you want to look at uh, next? Uh, I guess browse we browse some black and white.
1: Yeah, we can maybe move on to color. Um, you know, classic color. I think this is a good uh, classic color. Is nice. You know, ha- ha- was the first photographer of having a solo exhibition of color photography in the Museum of Modern Art in New uh-huh. York ever? It was. I actually found on the internet a beautiful, the um, kind of like the um, release of in the n- in the newspaper that this exhibition was gonna be in the museum. And it was very really beautiful. It was, uh, it was actually um, what uh, I think I found. I have it here somewhere. What it was the, the intention of him having that exhibition was to arrive at an image in which the spectator feels the beauty of a fourth dimension between the moments rather than within a moment. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the goal of the, exhi- the first exhibition in color that he did. And I think when you think about it, um, back in the days, photography was mainly black and white, mm-hmm. which is not really how people see the world. And I'm thinking for for people that go out went out to see photo exhibitions, going to a photo exhibition of color work, which was not common at all, Maybe they make them feel more connected to the photography and the work, because that's how people experience the world, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking if if that would actually have been something going on in people's minds when they went to see this very new and pioneering way of presenting art and photography in particular, and also knowing how the work of has develops and goes about. So I wonder if people can feel could feel closer to the photography and the work with a f- color photography exhibition than a black and white exhibition.
0: Hmm. I don't know. I think we. I think we naturally. Uh, I. You know, adjust for the lack of color in a black and white image f- somehow. Kind of make
1: it up in our minds. Yeah,
0: or? because it becomes in it becomes a different way of looking. It's like, you know, when you look at a blueprint, for example, or a uh, pencil drawing of something, mm-hmm. you can instantly relate to it mm-hmm. in that way. And it's, um, and I, I think that's the some of the charm of black and white is that it's not a hundred percent representation. Because yeah. when you look at a black and white image, you can only guess that the sky was blue and the meadow was green. Mm-hmm. But it could have been any other color. Mm-hmm. really it could have been anything else and the the way that you play with filters and you change the tones it adds drama that's adds feeling so it's like an impression uh, uh, more of an impressionistic medium mm-hmm. that I understand that I, yeah. that will uh, carry more feelings uh, baked into it mm-hmm. versus color be, uh, color is especially if you're going to be like direct you know with your colors with no adjustments with none of the like we talked about how house was doing here motion so here this one is famous Mm -hmm.
2: um
1: bullfighting in spain
0: this even though the colors are there there is a lot more to the picture and the impression is in the motion yeah it's not just i mean you even a still photo of a of a bullfighter with the bull and you can see that the fabric is flying one way and you can feel the action in the okay. muscles of the mm-hmm. bull. But there is something about the longer exposure that kind of gives it a a different feel. Like you don't know really where it started where it ended. Where, but you know what's going on. There's a lot of things. It's an intense moment. Yeah. And um, so, so I, I don't really know. I don't really know if how color just... Like if you have the two images, the exact same image, one in color, one in black and white. If color would make it, what, what your point was that they make it more relatable.
1: Yeah. So, but, but I'm also putting it on the in the time of space when this was happening. That majority or all the photography that people were consuming in terms of art, it was black and white. Yeah. And then I don't know if that maybe made a barrier or somehow. And then the color photography of has comes comes in, and then people can think closer to the to the to the scenes and to the images because that's how we experience the world. I don't know. I'm just yeah, hypothesizing, yeah, yeah. You know, I like mean,
0: if you think about uh, this uh, nature work, like for example, this one in Kenya. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful image, and in its own merit, like the. I mean. It's just crazy, the colors that I'm looking at. And here's a thing that I also learned from T. Hopper's video. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used a lot of dye transfer uh, Yeah,
1: he printing. loved... It was his favorite technique. When he learned about dye transfer, he makes sure that the majority of the things he would do in the darkroom would be dye transfer. And
0: I can tell you this. The way dye transfer looks is mm-hmm. just... It's a piece... It's, a, it's a really a piece of art in the sense that how the colors are reproduced. It's true. And like imagine when you go and you look at a wall it can be a brick wall like a bare brick wall mm-hmm. uh, is it brick or cement Both you know like the gray together, stuff yeah the gray yeah it's that's cement. cement cement blocks basically mm-hmm. and then c- contrast that with a red brick one mm-hmm. and then contrast that with a marble they're all doing the same function they're, they're, all of them are a wall mm-hmm. right but then the material the shine the everything the that, texture the texture plays a role and so when you bring colors Especially using something like Kodachrome and then doing a dye transfer print, you're ending up with a beautiful, you know, uh, frame to look at mm-hmm. in terms of colors and textures and all that stuff. So I think it's a combination of all those things mm-hmm. that would make a, uh, that would make, that would add value to the end result. Mm-hmm. And I noticed what Rorid uh, is asking do you think they will bring back Kodachrome? Nope, never. Forget about it unfortunately not it's because it's um, a lot of people talked about this before and that's what i learned you're not gonna because kodachrome is a proprietary process was created by kodak and it used a specific chemical process that was very complicated Mm -hmm. and the chemicals are very harmful to the environment so it's gonna be super hard to bring it back it's a very again it's a very specialized uh, process only few labs like only uh, labs that were uh, uh, adjust,
1: uh like kind of on the authorized by kodak,
0: the they program, had, yeah, yeah, kodak they, program. so so i don't think kodak has the means to do anything of that magnitude today and even if they did it has to be different because of the chemicals that were used in the making of mm-hmm. that but dye transfer is still alive mm-hmm. so Very if you so. have money you know ma- make dye transfer prints maybe more labs will do it i know that there is at least two labs in the world
1: yeah there's one in europe for sure
0: there's one in germany in the middle of nowhere yeah that i've looked so hard to find to find and i think there's one in the u.s uh, mm-hmm. maybe there's one in the uk as well not sure about that uh but yeah uh i know there's an artist a current artist who does dye transfer tyler shields mm-hmm. talks about it um i don't know where he does his prints but uh they still exist. They, they still make them.
1: We're um, we are seeing here a lot of pictures of nature. Actually, they're beautiful. Um, classic color collection in nature. Uh,
0: oh, I switched. Sorry. You're looking at the delay.
1: Yeah, I cannot read in the small one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at the nature. Um, there is uh, actually a book. Mm-hmm. Ernest has published a book called The Creation. It's yeah. the most sold photography book Ever.
0: These are photos from that book. This this exactly. collection is called Creation.
1: Yes. And it's a, a collection of photos of nature in different places around the world, organized into an expressive and poetic sequence of meaning throughout the, the book. Mm-hmm. And it was first published in 71. So you can see like it wasn't very common back then to have color in that way presented as well and yeah it's one of the best-selling photographers of all times i actually tried to find the book at least to peek on it somehow mm-hmm. o- online i couldn't find anything i guess you had to snatch a hard copy somewhere but the photo the nature photos i've seen throughout the website are incredible amazing
0: yeah, these are beautiful i don't even know what this is
1: this is a frozen lake
0: oh for sure like these a are very bubbles in fo- the ice yeah
1: frozen lake so cool so beautiful
0: this one like kind of blurs the the, the lines between his mm-hmm. his abstract work and his the
1: photo that you were showing before, which is the one in the bottom, the very bottom one,
0: the Kenya one. With yeah, the, the elephant. Kenya
1: one. Actually, you know, like if you look at it, the sky. If you look at the negative of the sky, to me, it looks like there is a huge mountain of Hold on. snow.
0: That's not a sky.
1: Is it a mountain of snow? No, yeah. it's a sky.
0: No, 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 no. I have no idea what I'm It cannot
1: up. be a, a mountain of ice because it's in Kenya, so...
0: Well, how do you know? It, it snowed in Texas a few weeks ago, <laughs> so anything could happen.
1: Maybe, maybe it is a mountain and somehow there is some light refraction or something no, c- like that? No, compression. Compression, but also it's blue. So
0: if he's on a hill, right? Yeah. If this is a hill and then the land goes down, but then in the distance there is a mountain and he's using a super long lens.
1: I still think it can be clouds. That are just positioned in a way that it's reminiscent of, of a faraway mountain. I don't know what I'm looking at. Both of them are incredible. In any case.
0: <laughs> what do you guys think in the chat? What are we looking at here? <laughs> now is
1: the moment to say, if you're listening to us on your podcast platform, then maybe come hang out with us <laughs> and watch all these beautiful, beautiful photographs that we're looking or at. Or you can
0: find the links in the show notes yeah. and flip through the photos. I try my best to keep saying where I am in the yeah but I, I know i forget a lot of times so sorry about that uh yeah i have no idea what i'm looking at to be honest with you i i saw it and i didn't want to think about it i just enjoyed it
1: i enjoyed a lot but you know i like to think about how the photos were made and what they are
0: CM is saying is it perhaps kilimanjaro
1: it could, it could be yeah but, it, but kilimanjaro like what what to me doesn't make sense is that the the snow line would be so close to what we're seeing because in the bottom.
0: Because it's, it's a hill. Yeah. But then the mountain is in the distance.
1: Could be, could be. It's just very cool. Does it yeah. say anything in the f- in the description?
0: It's <laughs> just a
1: It's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a snowy mountain top, and the lens is very long. Very long. So it looks like he is, you know. I'm the surprised
1: same. because Ernst only uses a Leica 35 millimeter. For really? <laughs> yeah. No,
0: I think this is what.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, well, I mean, this is what I read. You know, actually, th- this is kind of like a story, like a funny story. Um, You know how he goes? His first camera oh. this is a funny story. So actually, he wasn't interested in photography. I think yeah. I mentioned it before. It wasn't until his dad passed away that he decided to get some photos and do some prints in dark room to, you know, for family purposes. Mm-hmm. And then he really fell in love with making prints and photography. And then he... He wanted to be a painter, as we're saying, but uh, he saw photography could give him a lot. Um, So he actually got his first camera in 1946 at 25, trading a 20 pound block of margarine for a Rolliflex in Vienna on the black market. What?
0: What? uh, what?
1: (laughs) That's how he got his first camera.
0: 20 pounds of of margarine? Like the stuff you make food with? Like butter, yeah. For for what? For Leica? Rolliflex. For Rolliflex? Yeah. What?
1: And then in the light... He worked with that Rolliflex from the... It's in crazy. The, from 46 to the late 40s, and then he switched uh, to a 35mm Leica Rangefinder, which I guess maybe was the M4. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used that consistently for the rest of his career. So... Not sure what lens he could have put to make that photo. But yeah, uh, he mostly worked with Lake rangefinder.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm sure he used some other cameras as well.
1: Um, I actually want to read the... Look at the this one. I really want to read the... Qu- yeah, that's beautiful. That's in, uh, in the National Park in the US. Ooh. I want to read the quote where he says, the painter in a hurry, so because I want to put into context of what else he said when he was talking about that. He says, I really... I." I never really wanted to be a photographer. It slowly grew out of the compromise of a boy who desired to combine two goals, explorer or painter. I wanted to travel, see and experience. What better profession could there be than the one of a photographer, almost a painter in a hurry, overwhelmed by too many constantly changing impressions. But all my inspirational influences came much more from all the arts than from photo magazines. So yeah. If you want to travel and you want to paint quickly, being a photographer (laughs) is your thing for sure. (laughs) Right? Yeah.
0: Look at this one with the clouds casting on all the all the. I think
1: these are part of his first uh, solo adventure through America. He actually moved from Europe to New York, and then from New York, the first time that he was uh, uh, on a solo. Assignment. He decided to hitchhike all the way to New Mexico mm-hmm. and take photos on the on the way and as a homage to America, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. These are part of that uh, work, I believe.
0: These are so cool. CM. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I bought a Roliflex 2.8 A last month. Oh. It cost me around 150 margarine packs. <laughs> <laughs> right it's crazy (laughs) let's see is new york work
1: a 2.8 i is nice nice
0: nice camera by the way
1: we have the 3.5 (laughs) B. B. B.
0: oh it's a it's a cool camera i like it
1: it's beautiful it's tiny it holds so well it just works so nicely (laughs) yeah it
0: cost us like uh, i would say uh four <laughs> packs of margarine or f- more more what much more how much is a pack of margarine
1: like 30 kroner
0: yeah i guess so how much that would be <laughs> i'm so bad at math then
1: maybe 30 yeah
0: 30 packs 30 packs of <laughs> margarine <laughs> for how
1: we're gonna calculate the, the prices of the camera from <laughs> now on <laughs> uh.
0: yeah it's crazy it's crazy how how simple the world used to be anyway. Right. Oh, look at these. Norway stuff.
1: Yes, Norway, yeah. Obviously. I don't know if all of
0: them were in Norway. So Norway, Italy, this is Europe. Europe. Looking yeah. at the Europe collection. Oh, the, this one is so Look at beautiful.
1: this It's so like it's just so beautiful to to frame it this way, right? Like how how this is must be the most Venetian picture ever and it's not really showing you showing you Venice, you yeah. know. It's like the essence of it. And I see that a lot of his work. That's why it's so evoking and inspiring. Is because it's like you make it within yourself. Mm -hmm. In a sense, that's how I feel when I look at his photography. It's like I make the photograph part of my thoughts and my experience. And Mm -hmm. it's not so obvious either.
0: Yeah, it's like it's the detail that makes the experience. Yeah, It's that like Zen moment in a way during the trip that you kind of notice on your own mm-hmm. and those
1: little little frames that right. yeah so uh,
0: this one too where 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 am i losing you what are you up to
1: yeah uh, i was just re- reading some of the quotes uh the about us to put them into the. it's just so nice indeed i still if i have to choose i would choose the motion pictures and the abstract ones even though i love everything but i have had to choose (laughs) yeah
0: i mean again he did so much different work and Mm um i would say though uh the uh uh, what do i want to say i forgot (laughs) what's happening i didn't have enough caffeine today (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: sorry i don't have any to give you
0: uh why can't i remember what i wanted to say i don't know let's see Doesn't the new work the so there's classic color and new color and i don't know what the difference is i but think they it's kind more recent this, but they fall into the same categorization so yeah we have classic color creation and now new color creation and yeah. uh, i don't know what the difference would be but these i are think it's when they were taken on
1: time i believe those sh- those close-ups of um, plants are just so great i can't get enough of them I, I was gonna that. say,
0: yeah, some of the classic, uh, abstract. Mm-hmm. These. What was the name of a photographer we talked about a, f- a few episodes ago who did a lot of this stuff?
1: You mean uh, Ranger patz What? Albert Ranger patz
0: I have no idea. Was it?
1: That's the one. N-
0: he did, so. did a lot of did a lot of abstract work, and they they did some photos that looked like petri dishes to me. Do you remember who I'm talking about?
2: Hmm. Did, a like, did a lot I don't of
0: like Ardon skin? Maybe
1: that's the one with the expressionism, expressionism, the abstract expressionism.
0: Yeah, these reminding me remind me of those really uh, a lot, uh, especially like something like this, for example, because you know this is a gasoline mm-hmm. stain on the floor with a wet uh, rainy day, and you can tell that this is his. Um, reflection yeah i kind of like how he placed it as yeah. if it was his head and conveniently there is these two patches like that make eyes mm-hmm. this one is so cool or oh oh yeah as- this
1: reminds me yeah we were looking at uh, who was is a very early on guy was it Maybe Albert Pata was taking photos of a uh, brush of painted walls. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, I think that was
2: uh, Albert.
0: Anyways. All right, let's look at uh, some new work. Let's see how the abstract evolved. Oh, look at this one. It's titled Japan Mm -hmm. and it somehow feels so Japanese.
1: (laughs) This is what I mean. Like, is this... Even
0: though I have no idea what I'm looking at. I think could be the surface of a water of like I a, think so. of a body of in water a,
1: in like a fountain or something. Yeah, and like that. there's
0: some stone here, mm-hmm. and then that's like whatever. It's just some sunken leaves. Do It looks sink?
1: like it looks like it's flowy. Also,
0: yeah, you can see like this. This can only be achieved by water. Yeah, this these patterns. So beautiful. Again, we reached the portion of the podcast where, where we, we just talk. look at stuff and say wow this is so beautiful <laughs> welcome to another portion portion of uh, wow it's so beautiful this one is uh, similar to that one as well
1: that looks like uh, a lot of
0: textures uh, yeah oh look at this one
1: those are my jumps you love that
2: sure yeah
0: <laughs> why are you looking at me you, you can say that word i think <laughs> we're safe <laughs>
1: It's so nice. Actually, the other day with the half frame, which is the thing I'm exploring lately, yeah. uh, I took one photo very similar to that of of the shadows uh, when we were going up the stairs in the big hill in your city. Yeah, they just fall so nicely and so symmetrical, and like the structure was beautiful and uh, a little bit like that. Which stairs? The stairs when we were up to the hill in. the Oh, the hill. Viking thingy the is Viking it still hill.
0: in the Penef?
1: No, it's uh, it's from the Canon. But we haven't done proper scans because oh, we so need haven't to scanned get the, the whole
0: yeah. room. Yeah, right. Any any other interesting tidbits that you can read for us while I browse photos?
1: Uh okay. Or interesting tidbits about Hast. Um Well, I think the pound of, <laughs> the twenty pound of margarine was the most <laughs> striking thing. Um, no, there's also. Well, we haven't really shown the blur ones, but you show the bullfighting one. There's uh, more of that same collection. Uh, he went to Spain and he wanted to represent something very Spanish, and of course, bullfighting is something super imprinted in our in our DNA, Spanish DNA, for the good, or for the worse. You know, like okay. I don't really agree, but it's, it's you know it's part of our culture and mm-hmm. the story, our history, and he um. <laughs> It's is kind of funny. He took those photos that you're seeing. He sent the f- the rolls to the lab to be developed, and then the lab wrote back to him saying, "I'm very sorry, but all the photos you you sent us they are completely unusable. They are like beyond like we don't know what happened, but they weren't properly done." And he was like, "No, no, no! Like that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to get that feeling." And then uh, he he. He says that he tried to transform an object from what it is to what you want it to be through movement, using movement. Beyond the physical place, a person or an object he depicted, he tried to reflect the joy of looking and the human experience. So that was part of it. And actually those photos that were so bad for the lab to even like give them back to him, they ended up being a full twelve page spread in the I think in a Live magazine so so much for the bad photos <laughs> ironic isn't it right so great
0: look at these here we we switched to a different theme this, this is, this more is uh, like West, no no
1: this is actually the set of um this movie not the previous photo that you show this one the previous
2: one
0: this one
1: yeah that's the um, it's a musical, the West White Short Story. West White Story. West White. West White Story? No.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what you're trying to say.
1: Just to check the name. West Side Story. West Side Story. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it is West Side Story.
1: So, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. No. You know, I still talk about today like it's Friday and it's Tuesday. Yeah, you we're, were asking completely me messed up. How's your week? And I'm like, yeah, my week was very busy and the week just started.
2: <laughs>
0: right?
1: I cannot count from last week, from from the last podcast.
0: My my time compass is completely messed up right now. I don't even know because if you're, if you're watching for the first time, we used to do the show every Friday. Yeah. Now we do it on Tuesdays. And, and it just felt so weird. And you know what? Last Wednesday, i was i wanted to go out and get some stuff later in the day but i was like it's saturday everything is closed (laughs) it was a wednesday
1: i know it's just yeah um yeah these are so nice no i mean this
0: one is so beautiful
1: and don't you think that it's easy to take such a force (laughs) so nobody out there please think just because they're blurry it's easy to take them it's incredibly hard. I would say even more hard than great, getting a sharp and great image.
0: I can tell you that. Right? I can tell you that from first-hand experience. <laughs> it, uh, you need like a lot of planning in the way you move the camera, and you can so easily mess it up. Because think about this. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people complain nowadays about DSLRs that uh, they're inferior to mirrorless because or to rangefinders because. The minute you expose, you don't see. Uh-huh. So rangefinder, a rangefinder is a mirrorless. Well, you will keep seeing what's happening. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he was using rangefinder, so he always had an eye on what whatever it yeah. But still, it's it's that time of the exposure where you don't see anything, mm-hmm. and that's where the picture is happening. So, and it's not just a Fraction of a second. Well, it's still a fraction of a second. It depends on the exposure, but mm-hmm. in some cases, I would like personally, I would do anywhere from half a second to two, three seconds, um, depending, of course, on the light, mm-hmm. on which camera that I'm using, and you know, a lot of things. But I I've done up to two seconds, three seconds, mm-hmm. um, and it's tricky because you you're gonna anticipate something moving into your frame, being in a specific position. And then, you know, that's when the exposure is gonna start. Mm-hmm. And you want to kind of calculate that I want them to move from here to here. And this is where I want them to be in my exposure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I, maybe if somebody's moving. You wanna move the camera at wanna, the same speed? Yeah. No, if they're moving their body, uh-huh. and let's say they're spinning in their place, and you wanna capture the spin starting here, ending there. Yeah. You don't want to spin and then walk.
1: No, you have to calculate all that. Yeah, yeah so no, it, definitely. It's, it's much a, harder, yeah, I think. Like
0: a dancer, for example. Yeah. That dancer is doing a lot of movement. You can kind of anticipate the dance. If they're repeating some motions, you can be like, oh, they're gonna do the spin again. You wanna capture the spin. You have to nail it. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean it depends how also how how accurate you want it to be. Oh, of course. Maybe you just want a random moment of that whole thing that is mm-hmm. going on that was also nice but again stuff coming in and going out of your frame
1: mm-hmm. and the one we're looking at there that's gorgeous yeah so for example i mean look I think at the he, diagonal, ha- like he had to be moving in with, with him yeah because you can
0: her. see the yeah the exactly. background is completely and that's white
1: like, it's just so difficult to get the right speed and it's yeah. a lot of testing a lot of trials and a lot of probably bad frames as well <laughs> in every in every role so, it's... See, I mean,
0: like, for example, this one mm-hmm. had to be a long lens.
1: It had to be a long lens, yeah. Obviously,
0: you know, yeah. Yeah. can't be a 35 millimeter no. with the Leica <laughs> in this specific no. position. Yeah. Oh, these are so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's... A lot, you see, like, again, somebody's dancing, doing something. You want to at least keep them in the frame. Mm-hmm. But the horses ones are so beautiful. I would say this one. Yeah. What are they doing? It's a cowboy thingy?
1: I think so. They're trying to tame a, a small cow.
0: All right. Um. What do you want to look at next? S- some of the... I
1: really can't read. It's so tiny screen, so...
0: This one, I've seen people show. I've seen it in a T-Hopper video. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
1: That's a very... Uh, modern i would say like you can see a lot of people nowadays taking similar photos with (laughs) cinesteel. yeah (laughs) right (laughs)
0: definitely this is for me is like las vegas something like Mm -hmm. that it is actually yeah oh i love this one
1: yes i
0: I like taking photos of people next (laughs) you have a
1: couple of them really good actually actually i was thinking uh, in your in your instagram you have a series of three photos that are a little bit on this movement blurry the blur things, right? If, yeah. if you wanna show it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Th- because to me, that's the thing. I feel like when I put stuff, I just maybe I should explain what I'm doing and maybe I just
1: You don't. You just show it. You just show I it. Know, that is I like that's the kind of thing you you like. That's that's why it's a showcase page, right?
0: I guess so. Uh but let's keep looking at her. so I don't like showing my work. Um
1: lucia says i want to see it where is she here on the chat
0: oh my chat is delayed is it are are you the same are you this one is that you
1: is that you is that lucia (laughs) (laughs) i think so
0: (laughs) all right um this podcast is going off the rails no Uh, I'm losing control of the show. (laughs) This
1: is so nice. This is uh, those canyons are impressive.
0: It is very nice. Oh, it is. I told you. It is her. Hey, Um, Utah. Oh, look at these.
1: Yeah, these are probably. Oh, I've I've been on those on those areas and it's just.
0: I really want to visit. So
1: much potential for photography
0: do you think these are aerial these, they the no uh,
1: i think these are he either aerial or he was in one of, because this area has a lot hills. of uh, deep uh, ca- uh, carved uh, valleys of of rivers and stuff and it's really cool
0: are you getting too warm
1: i am really warm Me do too. you see my face am no i can weird?
0: hear it in your breathing <laughs> <laughs> and i can feel it too we have to close the windows and turn off the fan it's so hot. It's
1: really hot. It's like twenty six degrees in Sweden.
0: It's cool. Please help us. I mean, if there would be <laughs> sunlight. It would be. It would be nice.
1: Is there uh, again it's damp and looking and at the,
0: looking at these photos? I mm-hmm. see a lot of inspiration for a lot of the like popular photographers of today, like this one. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the, I was the, looking at that one. Yeah, you know, we talked about this when we looked at Mayrovit's work. Majorowitz, yeah, and uh, a lot of very like trendy. Shots that, that were taken. Trendy
1: Cape, Cape Cod photos. Yeah, that <laughs> yes. was
0: taken 50 years ago or I don't know how long ago. And now you see a lot of people like mm-hmm. taking the same photos, which is cool. Like there's nothing wrong with that. No,
1: of course. It's just, it's funny how things come around, right? Yeah. And there's always a trendsetter of sorts. And here. Mm-hmm.
0: This one. <laughs> 2,000 upvotes on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
1: they will say that it, it's a uh, it doesn't have enough tones
0: <laughs> no right you need to use an imacon scanner for better results anyways uh let's see some portraits
1: I'm yes sp-
0: these are a lot some of the famous people you were talking a about.
1: a lot of famous people actually all
0: right pick somebody
1: pick somebody okay let me see i uh i mean i'm delayed because i can't read there let me see Sophia Loren. Where is she? She's up, I guess. I right passed her. There. There.
0: There. So these are from movie sets, huh?
1: I guess, yeah.
0: Oh, she got hurt. Did she? Look. Oh. She has a boo boo.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This scene reminds me of Tropic Thunder for some reason. <laughs>
1: I'm a dude, play that dude. You
0: know the scene where like when they accidentally blow the exp- the explosions and uh, Ben Ben Stiller is dying and uh, what's his name? He's holding him. It's like mm-hmm. don't die. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Sorry.
1: These are yeah from from the different sets, I think. Ernst has studio.
0: Yeah. I mean cool photos, but they're not my favorite Ernst House photos, to be honest no. with you. They're scene photos. I don't really care about those things. So
1: I mean, much. I think he was on set and yeah. he was just like capturing. I mean the and life and
0: set and movie the set. set. Yeah. Uh-huh. Set scene and say movie set. Uh, let's see, somebody who's not an actor.
2: Uh, let's see Martin, Martin Luther King. Yeah,
0: I saw him earlier. There. These should be cool. Oh, look at this one. Mm. Again, sobres on this one yeah right it's just like a frame filmed with like with people
1: it's so powerful yeah i really like it
0: i mean like looking at this photo regardless that uh, uh, luther king is in it
2: mm-hmm.
0: like because some photos uh, the subject makes the photo You know, like whoever, it's a photo of like a Marlon Monroe or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a cool photo because it's a photo of them. But this one, regardless of Martin Luther King being in it, Mm -hmm. it's an amazing photo. It's a beautiful photo, yeah. Yeah. And this is the stuff that interests me, if I have to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, it's not so much who is in there, but everything around this
0: one as well, regardless of him. I mean, it's cool that it's like, it's definitely like... Again, I don't know so much about U.S. history, but I mean it could be like a from a very special day or spe- moment, very yeah. historical yeah. moment. Uh,
1: and yeah, uh, I mean they're just very well composed.
0: And I think oh, so so a photo like this. We talked a few episodes back about uh, I think Yuno was asking about uh, photojournalism and documentary mm. work, and yeah, we talked so about really a lot of photos in between. Yeah. So, like, this is a great example.
1: That tell the story. Yeah.
0: This is a very f- important photo, and th- because there is something, these people are, you know, anticipating something. There, you can see they're, like, they're not smiling. Yeah, there uh, are a tense moment. Tense yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and then, in when you put it in context of uh, whatever was going on that day, again, forgive me for not knowing uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here these photos. If you're documenting an event or these are the kind of photos that you have to remember to take um exactly you know um let's see what what else this one for example beautiful photo beautiful photo this one uh this one is a great one and i think like if i was editing to make a story like yeah. these, these ones are th- the ones that i would pick yeah to put it in the news article but again i have no credentials so <laughs> <laughs> like i have no experience doing that nobody ever hired me to do it but it's just my opinion mm-hmm. and uh yeah so uh, a lot of the, you, you could have like taken a photo of the aftermath of the event mm-hmm. uh, like the whole place when it was empty these moments the, these photos are not gonna be super clear. They're not gonna scream at you, "Hey, take me!" Like a, you know, like the, a decisive moment would be like if somebody's celebrating here, like if they got whatever they were fighting for, and they, you know, like if it was a political thing that was going on, and there has mm-hmm. to be a decisive thing at the end, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh we nailed it," or they're devastated that they didn't nail it. Or mm-hmm. these are decisive moments in the story, but there's also a lot of things around it. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like this one, for example these these guards with going, their batons into somewhere, you know yeah. people getting so tired and anticipating something and so these are super cool photos i mm-hmm. love those i think those are going to be my favorite of this <laughs> let's see uh, want to see einstein einstein yes it's going to be like a lifestyle photo shoot
1: <laughs> for sure such an interesting karate
2: yeah
1: was not Einstein that was able to make a photographer be able to leave Europe in terms of yeah, Hasman? we talked yeah. about it in that yeah, episode.
0: That's true. He hooked him up with the visa. Yeah. Because I I don't know if we mentioned this detail because uh, apparently he was uh, framed or not framed like uh, he
1: was uh, accused
0: accused of murdering his own father. Yeah. Was it was it right? Yeah and uh, but
1: apparently it wasn't really that there was some some shady things going on yeah might have been framed or not but he had problems to leave and
0: i i, I caught that detail watching a cat labs video about our most recent camera the cambo cadet very interesting video question <laughs> <about. laughs> just like i wanted to look at some reviews of the camera after i got it for just in case i missed any details and i look up Camo Cadet, and then I get this Catla's video that is like this, you know, it, almost like the X Files. I've never watched the X Files, but I, that's how I imagine it to be. You know, it's like it's so dramatic to tell the story of the Camo Cadet. I about it doesn't really fit the German guy who was murdered or framed of murdering his father, and then he got the help of Alfred, Albert Einstein to flee to the US. And it's like, what are you talking about? That's so,
1: <laughs> true. So strange. So strange.
0: Uh, Right. Well, uh, glad you made it safe, Devin. Uh, by the way, uh, Devin is uh, uh, running, r- I think, yeah. running a Discord server called uh, one? one More Stop. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you for uh, a link because we have a bunch of Discord servers that we're active in. We like to promote there in the description. So I'm guessing this one we'll add it as well. Uh, we're glad you joined us today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Anyways uh let's go back to this where we're at i don't know what do you think i mean we've been going on for one and a half hours
1: good timing <laughs> i'm getting hungry <laughs> are you
0: a little bit didn't eat so much for lunch
1: mm.
0: welcome to our personal lives <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're our family right almost <laughs> so. yeah. um yeah i mean overall it was just very nice to go through when I was preparing, going through the work, going through the stories, actually the website has also a very nice section. It's not about photography; it's all about text, so it doesn't really fit so well. He but did, there is—he uh, did
0: talk a lot about poetry and he, the relationship. Yeah, a so much. I have—I so
1: have, have a poem to finish the episode with, so I will read it before we sign off. Right. But also in the website you can find things that people said about about Ernst Haas and correspondency, like letters that he got from other photographers as well. And it's quite fun to go in and read what did uh, Ansel Adams thought of uh, Ernst's work. And he was, for what I can gather of all the things I read, he was loved by the community mm-hmm. and by other photographers. He was appreciated. People that were doing very different things really saw the value on the and the hard work that he was putting. So... So I think he was a beautiful contribution to the photography world, the photography art, and for all of us that come after as well. Mm -hmm. His legacy should stay on and continue inspiring generations of photographers as well. Absolutely. For sure.
0: Uh, What is that, Rothko? I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) Do you know what she's referring to?
1: No, I don't think so. What
0: is that? We'll get an explanation.
1: She can explain, yeah. So I'm going to read the poem that Mm -hmm. I chose because he was also a poet he liked it and I found this one very beautiful Um, it reads I see what I think I see what I feel because I am what I see if there is nothing to see and I still see it if there is something to see and everybody sees it that's photography (laughs) so beautiful indeed indeed I tried to do a good reading. I'm not so good at reading. at I'm good ah, at reading yeah, for my brain.
0: <laughs> I think you did a, a, a good job. Let's see. I think uh, between CM and my aunt, we have a clue. <laughs> Mark Rothko. All right. Oh, I like what I'm saying. Let's look at this together. All right. So, uh, an American abstract painter of Latvian Jewish descent. He is best known for his color painting, that uh, depicted irregular and painterly rectangular regions of color which produced what she produced from 1949 to 1970
1: i think that's something i would like
0: i definitely you would like
1: oh nice that's how i see so when i paint landscapes this is how i I see them in blocks of colors actually
0: yeah look at this one yes this reminds me of some of the stuff you do yeah I've definitely seen, somebody's not happy with their work. (laughs) Uh, These are so cool. I mean, I understand why people like would look at this and be like oh i can do this uh, A can five-year-old do it, yeah. can do this well, well, well.
1: but do it then do it
0: yeah i don't think everybody can do it like physically yeah it's not like is this this is not a uh, like a triple uh, yeah, kickflip uh, backside how only is. it's not a skateboarding trick which you know not anybody can do physically because it takes a lot of we were practicing the other day but
1: you know like once you get to paint you realize that things that are seemingly easy to make like putting two paints next to each other or overlay controlling the paint is harder than you might think and in order to get specific you know shadows or highlights or textures sometimes it doesn't really work like you want it unless you really have the, the skill pinned down
0: i always go back to the same thing when we talk about abstract or when we talk about anything creative it's not about how difficult it is to make. It's no. about the decision that you took to make. and that you yeah. decided. This is what I, what I this is, what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the vision that this I. This is have.
1: what I w- wanted to be. Yeah. Right
0: and yeah, anybody uh, whatever anybody who can control paint can put this on a canvas. But I don't, you know, like there is something to it. Like I'm looking at it and it's beautiful, and I can't tell you why it's beautiful. We talked about. Um, the uh, Russian um, uh, con- con- construct constructivism. Constructivism. Mm-hmm. There was another artist beside Ruchenko who you're a fan of, Kandinsky. Kandinsky. You could uh, look at some of Kandinsky's work, and be like, "Oh, anybody can do this." Blah 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 blah. But still, I don't. You know, the compositions, I mean, the color choice. Look, it I just can tell it's you harmonic. the same thing i can tell you i can tell those people the same thing hey do you like any you know whatever drake song or whatever pop artist song yeah you know if you showed show this to like a like a well-trained musician in like something like i don't know like more complicated type of music they'd be like yeah this is child play like you, you know you just click a few buttons and you make that song right but still a lot of people love it even though it's simple like in terms of technical ability it's mm-hmm. simple but there's something to emotion and there's something to feelings something to mm-hmm. this is all right i'm gonna use a whatever uh 808 roland but drum beat very basic to that's it and then you know put a melody on top of that that, that weekend song mm-hmm. the new one you know which one that i'm thinking of? i think it sounds I know, like I it sounds like the other song from the 90s <sad singing> the weekend has a song basically copying that song right and everybody listens to it already oh sorry i'm, I'm i was waving my hand in front of your camera okay <laughs> I, get, I get angry where's tim to calm me down um but uh yeah I don't know. I love this stuff.
1: CM says that there are some paintings of Rothkos in the Moderna Museet. That they're very big. Nice. We should go check it out. Yeah. Haven't been in a museum for ages.
0: Yeah. Are, uh, uh, Moderna is that the one next to the uh the co- mo- uh Cocoho?
1: No, Moderna Museet. I think it's uh, it's in the near where we talked the photos the other day. Yeah, I that's know. the one. Cocoho. Kokoh? Ah, the Kultur...
0: Kungliga Kunst. Yeah, Kungliga you know? Kunst, That's true. Uh, or konst, Kungliga. I don't know. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's the Swedish uh, royal, uh, royal art, art, art school art university. Yeah. Uh, there's a museum in the same island, and that's mm-hmm. my favorite museum. Yeah. Hops-Holman. Hops-Holman, yeah. Thank you. CM always saves me. Oh, saves <laughs> <Always>. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you're here every week. I don't know what I'd do without you, dude. For sure. Uh, right. And thank you for... Uh, the tip. For the tip, Sean. Mm-hmm. These are super cool. Beautiful. We're definitely going to go to uh, I want to paint.
1: <laughs> now I want to paint. That's what happens when I look at paintings.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or you can play with more cyanotypes.
1: Yeah, in the in the moonlight, <laughs> maybe.
0: Yeah, so I have an idea. I have so many ideas right now and I have to at least do one of them soon. I was thinking if I get um, UV lights
2: B- bulbs yeah, yeah,
0: like projectors or whatever and then I can use those to uh, light up my subjects and use my camera for long exposure so I can put a flower in a vase mm-hmm. right coat up a piece of paper mm-hmm. with cyanotype uh, the size of a 4 by 5 Load it in a film holder mm-hmm. in the camera mm-hmm. and then leave it open with the projectors on a flower or whatever.
1: I mean that in principle that should work, but I don't know.
0: We have to calculate exposure times.
1: Yeah, because yeah, we have to do all our calculations. I'm thinking and the I'm reflected thinking, light. And I'm thinking because you have to capture reflected light. Yeah. And I don't know how UV reflects out of different colors of surfaces that's just my thought
0: it will work maybe
1: i guess i guess i mean if you can take a cyanotype of an a scene that means that you are capturing reflective yeah light. and we've seen th- we've th- seen those. that the people have done them so it yeah. should work somehow
0: yeah but it was a very long exposure like 12 hours or something like that but again maybe it's like the sun moving in and out i don't know we I think it's worth experimenting. It, yeah? And I could take a portrait of you. We can get you these goggles for this like saloon and get you 60 FPS uh, I'm going to suns- turn sunscreen. so brown. <laughs> put you in front of the camera for like six hours. <laughs> uh, or a UV bulb in the enlarger. Yeah, that's actually a, another good idea, CM. If you put a UV bulb in the enlarger and then you can make... Uh, Prints basically instead mm-hmm. of contact prints or you can still make contract contact prints but then you can enlarge, enlarge as well mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah because i was i was thinking about getting into uh platinum palladium as well
1: i know that you were thinking about it after watching the latch i've been i've been thinking
0: it. Of, about it before i, I, I mean, got excited it's,
1: it's as easy as the cyanotype like coating and doing stuff it's are, are
0: is it as easy
1: I mean, they were mixing liquids and then also put it on top of the papers and yeah. then doing the exposure.
2: So in a
0: UV box. Yeah. Uh, which I definitely have to make as well. Oh, here's the thing: if you're thinking of making a UV box, maybe buy. Apparently, they used to sell these devices that are uh, uh, facial tanners, mm-hmm. like home tanning thingy, and it's like a like a thing that you. It has a UV bulb. You and reflection like some of them have l- some luvi tube uh, uv tubes yeah and uh, then in a, in a, vertical know, yeah. yeah and then you s- just sit in front of it yeah and, and you, you turn t- t- your face flaps
1: like this so you get on the sides as well yeah. yeah i mean nowadays the uv lamps are used for the hardening kits for uh, manicure so you can find that super easy and cheap it's just that the form that it has is not very useful for yeah. the other purposes but you could take the bulbs out buy led strips put the led strips inside a box we saw that as well so there are multiple solutions for that as well
0: yeah yeah but the thing is that these will be powerful enough out of like out of the box yeah because i think they use multiple 60 watt uh Mm. bulbs
1: how people put their faces on front of those things they
0: want to get uh so
1: bad so bad (laughs) they really
0: want to be done i mean i don't know
1: anybody Uh, out there use fps please
0: but you know what like in a place like sweden like if you are if you are you know uh somebody like us who's not born here uh we're used to being in the sun yeah and we get depressed if we don't get sun Mm-hmm. you know that something a lamp like that in the house you turn it out you turn it up like i don't know if i you mean
1: you can get the natural daylight lamps by phillips no, no no, no, no but works. you need
0: more vitamin d ah, you
1: mean for the vitamin so d? No, apparently the pineal gland
0: yeah so you need to get uh i heard a expert talk about this that if you live up like in the north in the, in the winter it's recommended to get 10 minutes of solarium uh once ev- once every week or two weeks yeah uh, and that will be much better than uh, using a vitamin D supplement because the way your body synthesizes the vitamin D is a much better quality and longer-lasting yeah. in comparison to uh, something that is that you eat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um But uh, yeah, this is so relevant to what we're looking at, for sure. <laughs> uh, CM bought a wet plate holder for 8x10. Are you going to do autochromes? Can you please do autochromes? Please, please, please. (laughs) And tell me how you did it so I can do it too. (laughs) Um, Wet plate. Yeah, we were watching this uh, uh, relatively small channel. Mm -hmm. uh, Bigger than us, for sure. Uh, But yeah, go subscribe to Lost Light Art. Beautiful channel. And support him and buy his wet plate holders. Um, Uh, Dry plate. uh, Sorry, dry dry plate plate holders.
1: Dry plate 4x5. Zebra holders for mm, DIY dry plates that yeah. you do with an emulsion that you can make yourself the channel is great super super, super cool nice. channel
0: thank you for listening and uh, see you next week or talk to you next week
1: yes for sure thank you
0: bye
2: bye